Hey guys, so welcome back to another episode of Overcoming Depression. Um, Sorry I haven't posted in a while. Uh, As you know by the update, I've been going through some things. I'm going to have to change the name of this this, uh, podcast as well to something else because I feel like when you're dealing with depression, it's not really a, a way to overcome it. It's just different mechanics of dealing with, you know, that depression and what you're going through. So, um, and hopefully, I know this is a small community, but hopefully we can help each other out with ways of, um, of, uh, of dealing with it. So if you're new to the channel and, you know, you hear a lot of stops, pauses, um, you may hear me, uh, saying, ah, a lot. (laughs) And you also may hear repetitive things or, you know, stutters, slight stutters and, and things like that. Um, it's because I chose to have this channel, um, unedited, uh, straightforward and, you know, just, just for the people, because like I always say, you know, real life has no edit, so I shouldn't be able to cheat, um, you guys to understand the real me and what I'm going through. So you're going to get it raw, how I place it, the exact time that I place it, whatever I may say, I post it right afterwards. I don't go back and listen. This is just how it is, you know? We all, of course, we all wish that we had a real-life edit button to where we could take out the bad things and kind of replace it with with good things and then, you know, make the good things even better. But we don't have that, so we don't have that choice or option. So we have to roll with the punches, and I think this should be the same way. Um, I am going to have a... I don't know how you guys can reach me on here. Like I said, I'm new to podcasting. Um... But I will be dropping a email address so you guys can get in touch with me um, and tell me how you overcame depression and things you want me to talk about and kind of touch bases on. Um, so as you know that I have been away from my channel, from my podcast for a while because I was going through some family issues. My uncle recently passed away. God bless him. Um, he passed away at the hospital at the hands of doctors and nurses. Um, who completely mishandled him, and uh, we fought for months now to, and still fighting to get justice for him, which is which has not been an easy road, because nobody, and I do mean nobody, wants to help us, <laughs> and the people that promised to help us gave broken promises and and just completely, you know, bad ideas and and bad chemistry and and lies and deceit so I'm doing this podcast as a special to hopefully help someone in Robert's name so his death does not go in vain and you know if I even if we do not get justice one day maybe the next person will just by hearing his story um uncle was in the hospital for almost a month he was um, he was there for uh, two two separate occasions before, so that was a total of three days, uh, three times, at the same hospital, and they only found the problem on the third visit, to where they said, hey, you know, we got to go into emergency surgery, 
He called her phone after being there overnight in a different part of the hospital that was not related to his issue at hand. But that was a whole night that he was in the hospital without anybody saying about his issues because they they were claiming that they had placement issues and overcrowded rooms on the floor that he belonged to, which was um, the hard floor. Uh, so, also with that being said, the next day when the morning when the doctors did come and actually look at him and check him out, after being admitted, they said they, they wanted to take him into emergency surgery. He calls our phone and tells us that he's going to emergency surgery. And, of course, we rush down there because we do love him. And like any other person, you want to make sure that your loved one is fine. And uh, we get there and he was going through um, surgery at the moment that we got there, which lasted a lot longer than they said they would. But we were told that it was successful and they put an impella device which is a device that kind of circulates the blood in the heart and allows it to pump while your native heart your your main heart is resting to kind of recuperate and hopefully gain its strength back to kind of beat more on its own and pump more blood on its own um so while he was going through that he went into cardiogenic shock which shocked his kidneys, and they stopped working. He had to be put on um, dialysis on his second day there. Um, his kidneys, he had a little bit of issues with his kidneys. You know, if you notice anybody that, you know, if your heart's kind of not going well, then it causes a lot of different problems in different areas of your body. So he was going through that, and... They had to place him on dialysis, and dialysis was, you know, a constant thing. Um, where they, you know, they were trying to, to restart his kidneys to where they could work. If not, he would have to have a dual transplant. Um, and we were thinking that something didn't sound right at that point, but we had our trust in the doctors and in the, the hospital because we've been going to this hospital for years. And, you know, you never, like, I guess it's, I guess it's, um, I guess it's kind of the human way to depend on the doctors and, you know, the the hospitals to know what's best for you. Like, you never do any background history on the doctors. You never do any background history on the, um, on the place itself. Like, go to Google and, and try to see, like, what kind of information is on here about this hospital, what kind of reviews are on here. Um, so, I just wanted to tell you that the hospital review for Kenstone Hospital is complete trash. Um, it is the, and from the experience I had there... We had to fight. We had to fight with our words with their security guards, the hospital staff, meaning the nurses, doctors, nurse practitioners, you know, <laughs> um, about the care that they were giving him, the medicines that they lied about, having the side effects they did have. Um, about about a week later, 
uh, of him being in the hospital, they uh, sent around, um, what is it called? Uh, not primary care, it was um, something else. Okay, well, anyway, I can't remember the name of this uh, this type of care that, they, that this part of the, the hospital community that was sent to us about a week later. But anyway, this hospital community is not like hospice. It's kind of different than that. So let's say that if they have a terminally ill patient, this part of the hospital comes by and... Um, talks about final steps and what to expect and you know what do you who do you want to speak for you if you happen to become uh, unresponsive and and ask you things like do you have a a will do you want to make one do you have you know anybody that you trust and and all this stuff like they're preparing you to die which was a week later and I'm thinking that this whole time they were giving us promises like he's going to He's going to be okay. He's going to, you know, get through this. Um, but we didn't know the facts to look for. And they didn't explain the facts to look for. And that was kind of my biggest problem was knowing that he was sick. But he could still do for himself up until about three days before he died. He could still feed himself. He could still you know, recognize faces and voices and names, and he could talk and curse and scream, um, watch TV, sleep, you know, um, had a couple of different bowel movements and things, pee, you know, um, released a couple of times on his own, um, it was just a lot of things that was going on that he could do, which is kind of shocking to what they were trying to imply his condition was, so I guess that's why I didn't register at first, um, so about, I'll, I'll fast forward, he, he was cut on multiple times, had bed sores, they lied about medications that he was supposed to take or not supposed to take, and we had to go on Google, by the way, Google is your very best friend, if you are in the hospital, or you know somebody that's in the hospital, and you don't know what their medications are for, Google will be your best friend, um, and make sure that you always ch- double check and check up behind them on medications, um, even the ones that you're taking now versus you know even the the new ones or the ones you're taking now, even the the um, surgeries or operations that you have coming up. Make sure you do your research and find out what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, what's good and what's bad, what to expect and what not to expect. It's true that everybody's um, everybody's uh, experience may, d- may be different, but it cannot be that different if it's the same problem. So whether you know it or not, it's always somebody that's going through what you're going through. So Google will always be your best friend to that effect. Um, so three days up until the time that he died... Um, he was complaining about his his leg hurting and things. Now, mind you, he went into the hospital on the 18th of December, 2018. He died on January 16th, 2000. 
19. So from the time that he had his surgery, which was the 19th, to the time that he died, which was the 16th of January, which was almost a month, he was bedridden. He could not get up and move. And when he did get up, when they did move him that one time, they were not supposed to. Okay? So he had no physical therapy except for maybe two or three days, which we do have the medical records for that to show when physical therapy stopped by and, and when they didn't. So he lost movement in his legs because nobody was moving them, first of all, because nobody knew that the doctors had cut next to his groin area. He had a couple of cuts next to, next to his groin area, plus bed sores on his bottom and his back. He also had cuts up and through his chest near his and um, a couple of incisions on his neck. As well as being hooked to three, four, five different machines. So, how was he supposed to move? And he's he is more than it's more than right for him to have problems with moving his legs and things if nobody is moving them. Okay, so I say that to say they're complaining about how he was complaining about his legs, and some ignorant nurse practitioner said hey we're just going to give him a muscle relaxer not not thinking about his condition and his symptoms or anything gave him a muscle relaxer which is baclofen baclofen is bad for anybody with kidney failure and heart failure it says that on google baclofen I asked the nurse practitioner about it. He kept telling me lies. Oh, it's it's okay. It's perfectly fine. Blah, blah, blah. This time, you know, they were pumping all types of pain pills. All types of, of, um, all types of pain pills. All types of, um, muscle relaxers. Um, all types of different types of medication into his body for the whole month. He became unresponsive after the baclofen took effect, which was a couple of hours later. And he was unresponsive the whole night for over 10 hours until the nurse shift changed that next day, which was on the 16th of this, the 16th of, I'm sorry, that was not the 16th. That was the, yeah, the 16th of no, sorry, that was the 15th. The 15th of um, January 2019. Okay. She noticed that he wasn't responsive. They prick his hand, he wouldn't move. You know, a lot of different tricks that they try to do to see if somebody would wake up. He wasn't responding to any of that. And they gave him some Norcan. And if you don't know what Norcan is, Norcan is for the is for narcotics um is what the doctor gives people that come in and they're overdosed and it takes the overdose away immediately so as soon as they gave him the narcan he woke up immediately which should have told a person with a brain that he was overdosed and why wouldn't he be overdosed 
They were giving him multiple medications, more than one of each kind, for almost a month with no way to exclude to excrete them from his kidneys because his kidneys wasn't working. And they took him off dialysis for at least two days until I had to argue with someone like, hey, I know what this baclofen does, you know. This is bad for his kidneys. Why are you not giving him dialysis? Because there are studies with people with kidney issues that said they had to go through a blood um, dialysis machine of the four-hour one in order for them to show improvement and signs of improvement after taking the baclofen after they became unresponsive. This was the only thing that could wake them up. So the blood, the blood um, dialysis machine, uh, hemodialysis is clear, clears out your blood from like any type of uh, any type of um, narcotics or pills or you know anything like that it takes it out of your system. They didn't want to give him that. They gave him the regular that was clearing out basically his kidneys again which we all know you know narcotics does not only affect your kidneys and and does not only you know kidneys and blood is all related why not give him that the hemodialysis which lasted for a couple of a couple of hours and they came in there constantly telling us that oh he's not getting any better this is you know blah 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 by that time, what they did to him had already taken effect. It doesn't take long, especially when he was already overdosed and they kept giving him baclofen. So once they woke him up, they gave him another shot of another thing of baclofen that put him under again. And they're trying to tell us that this was how, you know, this was end of life for him, which was not because he could still recognize who we were and everything looked at us right into our faces and the time of his death you know was really sad something about it about that day just told me he was leaving I didn't want to realize it um I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I got mad at God and I'm like why pray if if you're just going to take him away but I realized that I wasn't praying so God could keep him I was praying that God would do right by him and see to it that these people did not have the power to destroy him like they were aiming for using him as as an experiment for someone with more money better skin complexion meaning white and that's just the way it is it's not a race issue it's just the truth um about how we were treated uh, that would come in and they would know how to handle him or them a lot better and there was so many people that died on that floor that day and I tried contacting everybody I'm like something is not going on he was there for a whole month almost a month and I saw at least 10 or 15 people vanish up out of there so many families that come in there to, to wish their people well and they, you know, they lose them anyway. 
and the 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 staff is completely irresponsible, trashy, no kind of human soul whatsoever. All those demons around that place is ridiculous. And the the doctors are even worse. So please do not ever go to that hospital. And I'm not saying this for hearsay. This is straight facts. And I do have the I do have um, the receipts to prove it from his medical records all the way up to recorded conversations with the doctors. Um, we were also told by his one of his doctors that no, this is not end of life. This is just a normal reaction from somebody overdosing and coming back from being overdosed. Um, and they tried to get us to, you know, they tried to uh, counsel us and force us to give him pain meds that would end his life completely. Just take him away. And we're like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to see it through. So if anybody's ever gone through something like this and you care about your loved one, you would try your very best. Everything that you can think of, everything that you think is humanly possible to um, to make sure or to see that if this will work, if this will work, if this will work, if this will work. You want to try everything in your power to try it until until his very last breath. Because they're not going home without him. We are. We don't have to deal with the aftermath of not having him and, and planning things. We had to do that. They had no type of humanity whatsoever in them. Um, as soon as maybe two seconds after we knew that he was gone, the nurse starts ripping his stuff apart like taking taking all of the all of the things away from him all of his machines before a doctor came there and pronounced him dead before she even pronounced him dead started taking things away um i've i've seen the same nurse you know as they were trying to counsel us and say oh just let him go you know he's 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 not doing well nurses don't want to come in and see him like this just let him go, you know, let him, let him, let him be free, let him be happy, we can, we can end his suffering right now, she went to his, um, impeller machine device, uh, that sits outside on the bed, it's a console that sits outside of the bed, it controls the thing that's pumping his heart to keep him alive, we saw her turn it down without thinking of the facts that his doctor told him nobody should touch it, this machine has been turned over, has been flipped, has been pulled, pushed, yanked, and no type of beeping noises came from this until she turned that machine down. And 10 minutes later, or five minutes later, he dies. And it's a lot to prove with what we say compared to what everybody else says, because they're protected by so many laws that it's really hard to prove things unless you have concrete evidence and a body, which we didn't because the funeral home um, cremated him too early and we asked him to wait. 
He was already going to be cremated. That wasn't an issue. The problem was is that we knew something was going to come up, and we asked him to wait. Um, they let us grieve for about, I'll say about an hour, and they forced us out of there. And they forced us to get him away from the hospital that night. Before we, before we left there, we had to find a way to get him away from this hospital. He could not stay. Which we later found out that he was sent to the morgue anyway. When everybody else was kind of picked up by the funeral home from their um, hotel, from their hospital room. Which was strange to me. And they put dead on arrival on his uh, death certificate after he's been there for almost a month. Which we had to argue with them about that. (laughs) And his kidney doctor about that. And they put on their kidney, um, he had a heart problem, heart failure or something like that. And kidney failure. Which he had a, a kidney doctor that signed it who knew that his kidneys were in working condition before he went there. Now, keep in mind, the doctor that signed the death certificate did not see him for at least a month, if not more. He didn't come to the doctor's, the hospital to see him. So basically, he signed the papers from a little piece of paper that the nurse sent over with all her facts on it. He didn't check any medical records. He didn't do anything. He just filled out everything from their perspective. He didn't look at the body. He did, he, all he did was just sign and date. And uh, it took, a, t- t- took us about a week or two to get the death certificate back. Um, so a long story short, we talked to a lot of different doctors, a lot of different doctors who said, oh, yeah, you do have a case and this wasn't the proper treatment, but... I'm not going to be able to go on file with saying that with hopes of, with um, threats of losing my job. Um, I've also talked to plenty of different lawyers who said, hey, this you do have a case, but it's just going to be hard to prove. I don't have the time to prove this case, so I'm sorry I'm not accepting it. Then we had the ones that, you know, kind of kind of said no way from the beginning because of how deep and, and rooted it was. Which we had the proof, you know, had the phone records of them telling us to kill him off, um, to to end his life with with the medicine that they wanted to give him. Um, we also had recorded messages about the doctors on the day of his death, uh, which he wasn't treated. Um, he didn't have a problem with his kidneys, um, to the point where. They were, were they were focused on his kidneys or or his um, his diabetes. I'm sorry, his diabetes, not his kidneys. He didn't have a problem with his diabetes to where they were focused on his diabetes. His only two two things they were worried about, at all, which nobody came in to us and said, oh, his diabetes count is a little too low or high or whatever. Nobody mentioned his diabetes at all. They were just treating it because he treated them normally. And it was under control. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was um, a loving person. Had his little issues, like he'd get mad easily, but 
He showed his love sometimes through anger. Never hurt anybody. Never did drugs. Never drink. You know. Um, lost weight. When he found out he had a heart condition. I was maybe a hundred and something pounds. You know. And kept it off. By the way. Um, met all of his doctor's appointments. Made sure he got his medicine. Uh, wish they lied about that. There's a lot of different lies that was in that that medical records. And it's really hard to prove when you don't have a, a wife or and kids, you know, and you just have to depend on, you know, your brother and sister and their kids. It's really hard to prove because of all the laws that they have when it concerns these hospitals. So I'm I'm sharing this story with you in hopes that it will help the next person to maybe look at the signs and kind of kind of get through it. And Robert's saying, uh, we were we did everything completely wrong, and I'll probably live with that for the rest of my life. And I'm trying to fight back tears by saying this, but I miss him every day. And I wish I would have done things differently. I wish he would have had a better staff that that could understand that he was loved, you know. And he was there for almost a month and it was always somebody there with him. To care for him, to look over him, to watch the nurse staff and everything. He was never alone. Mongo's the type of person that he likes to do things by himself. He doesn't like to bother people. And he called us that day because I guess... He knew something was wrong, and he said that somebody had to stay with him every day, every day, every night. And we all, you know, switched our schedules and prepared things for, you know, for for life or for that day to make sure that somebody was there that night and that day, you know, around the clock with him. And uh, we all sometimes packed up into the the waiting room and and laid there waiting for him to come out of surgery or for him to wake up and um you don't want to be like us the hardest thing to do is to leave the hospital knowing that we had to leave him behind and to be there knowing that he was about to take his last breath. And it's a difference from the things that you can prove to the things that they put on the paper. And I just want to say that if you find yourself going through this, you or anybody you know that's going through this, as soon as you find out that you have something that could possibly end your life, please, please, please go to your doctor, your courthouse, your lawyer and say I want to assign someone as my power of attorney and you're going to need that because this person can get access to your medical records you know if anything goes wrong they, they can know the ins and outs of what happened, how it happened especially if you do not have kids or a husband you're going to need that power of attorney. And second of all, Google is your friend. 
if you notice any new medications or even the ones that you're taking research them if you notice anything strange anything inter you know interacting with each other badly talk to your doctor and let them know that you know something's going on with these medications if you're in the hospital and you feel different from a medication they just gave you from an operation you just had done from a surgery they just finished tell them do not hold anything back this is the only body you're going to get and somebody out there loves you and is going through turmoil and pain if anything happens to you and if you're gonna go there to stay even if it's for a day even if it's a month, a year, have someone stay with you that can watch over you while you sleep and watch what these people are doing to you. And most importantly, most importantly, be good to your body because these people take oath to protect us and to love us and to do what's right for us because we're not doctors we're not we don't know about these medicines and what what to do and we rely on them and they know that and they play into it and they don't always do right by you research a hospital do your best research and if something happens, do not stop. And most importantly, if you, if you, if your loved one dies, please, if you have any type of questions about how they died, even if you, you just want to make sure, tell the doctor you want an autopsy done before they take him away from that hospital. Immediately after this person passes, tell them you want an autopsy done and they have to do it while they're still in the hospital. And do not get rid of the body until you have exhausted all types of possibilities of any type of reparations, any type of help any type of assistance make sure that you know that make sure that your that body stays intact for photographs and while you're while you're in the hospital every operation you have document everything record everything conversations pictures videos bruises cuts scrapes Operation, incisions, medicine, the nurses that come in and out of your room record everything. Because if something happens to you, your family is going to have a hard time proving that. A lot of people do, a lot of people do not understand that these hospitals are killing people. And nothing's being done because no one questions it or not many not many people question 
what goes on in these hospitals. Make sure you question everything. We didn't. And we regret it every day. And you don't want to live with regret. That's the one thing you don't want to do. Because it's hard. Especially at the hands of someone else's life. Like being in control of somebody else's life. And thinking in the back of your mind that you could have done something differently. If only somebody would have helped us. But we reached out and we prayed and we asked God, like, just give us a sign and tell us what to do. You know, help, just bring somebody to help us get justice for him. And we're not going to give up. But I hope this episode helps. Um, It's a struggle every day to try to just put a smile on my face and my family's face is always somebody crying it's been four months I think almost four months um and we're still going through it um I'll probably deal with that for the rest of my life and they don't understand what they took from me he was not only my uncle he put aside his life to help my mom raise her children He has forgiven us more than my own father has. He has helped me and us more than my own dad has helped me and us. And he still to this day is helping. And I love him so much. So I just want to say say to my uncle, I love you. And I hope you're with your mom and I hope everything is okay. I hope you're not sad or sick or worried or hurting. I hope that whatever they planned for you at that hospital did not follow through because you left here with a smile on your face. Probably because you've seen your mom. And that's the only thing that keeps us going every day is knowing that you're probably with her. I want to thank you for everything that you've done for me. I want to thank you for being the person that you were. You you were not an angel. But you loved us. Even when we didn't feel like we needed to. Even when our dad turned his back on us, you still loved us. They don't understand what they took. They could have helped you. Or they could have sent you home. If they didn't plan on helping you. If this would have been the end result. They could have sent you home. Or you could have got on your computer. And watched your television. Laid in your own bed. Used your own bathroom. Ate the food that you wanted to eat. So you could be happy. They were selfish and they were manipulative and they were liars. And I pray to God that you get justice. 
by his will for whatever they did to you and they can't hide from it anymore and one day somebody's going to look at listen to this podcast and know that I said it first even when the lawyers and the doctors and the news people and the, and the, the celebrities I reached out to turned their backs on us didn't want to help us at all that one day all this is going to come to light and they will be held responsible and I'm sorry I'm sorry for crying guys you know it's a very touchy subject (laughs) I don't have any hate in my heart you know it's just sad, you know, I feel, I feel very sad, you know, and I don't think that that's ever going to disappear. So I just want to say thank you for listening. I'm sorry it was so heavy. Um, I found ways of coping with this and the one thing that I do is I paint. I, re- I write. Um, I listen to music. I just lay back and open my mind. I listen to music. And, uh, if you're going through that, you may want to try to listen to your music and paint and write and see what, you know, just tell me how it makes you feel. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate everything. Have a good night.